Planeswalkers, and welcome back to the Daily MTG Podcast. We've been gone for a couple of weeks. We've been kind of busy around here. Things like PAX this past weekend and Theros coming up real soon. And I'm here with two friends, two co-hosts, a guest and a co-host, however you want to define it. Gavin's not here. He did get sick from PAX Pox, but we have Tifa Mayan, my co-host, and of course, a friend of the podcast from R&D, Dave Guskin. How are you guys doing? Hello. Good. Thanks. I'm good. I'm I'm recovering from the Pax Pox yeah. slowly but surely. Yeah. You're clearly I'm totally immune to Pax Pox. <laughs> Me too, apparently. Knock, knock on wood. I guess. All right, we don't we don't want to jinx ourselves here, but we're here recording today. We had an awesome time at Pax Prime here in Seattle. Theros is in full steam now that Pax has come, and we did a lot of awesome stuff with Theros and at Pax. And I think the first thing I want to talk about is our awesome booth. Like for those of you who were there. As my two co-hosts, yeah, I guess, yeah. were yeah. here. We had an awesome presence. The same one we used at PAX East, mm-hmm. where you get to throw a fireball. <laughs> like, Yeah, I actually heard, uh, I overheard some convention goers on, I think it was Saturday morning, uh, saying, like, what should I do in the expo set, in the expo hall? And the answer was, you have to go throw a fireball. Like, you have to go do that. <laughs> it's like the number one thing we were saying to do. That's awesome. Yeah, and I was able to throw a fireball for the first time because I wasn't able to attend PAX East. Yeah, so. me neither. That did, was super did you, exciting. Did you hit the planeswalker symbol? I did hit the planeswalker symbol. I have failed to every time. So. <laughs> Very impressive. It was my second try, so it wasn't at first. Uh, I have a perfect 1,000 batting average with throwing the fireball. I have nice. never not hit the planeswalker symbol. <laughs> yeah, for those I, who don't know, when you hit the planeswalker symbol, it just lights up in flames, yeah. and everyone across the entire X wall can see it. And we were selling awesome stuff. We had we had a Fibblethip plushie That's at true. the panel, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, I saw quite a few people running around with us. Yeah. And uh, we had the Elspeth exclusive Pax Prime t-shirt, as well as a party-exclusive Elspeth t-shirt. And the Penny Arcade Elspeth pin. Oh, that's right, Penny Arcade. Yep. Uh, I, I did a lot of trading this weekend. I, I made sure I, I helped trade with some of our friends for the Elspeth pin, and I even had a couple of our PAX Australia Chandra pins. Oh, lucky. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, people were going crazy for the Australia pin. Um, yeah. But all of the pins were great, uh, and I, there was a lot of people that came up to me and talked to me about my pins, and I was able to you know talk a little bit about magic, and that was really cool. Yeah. Dave, one of the things, I mean, I was wandering around the hall a lot. One of the, you had a daily thing you had to do, which was the puzzle challenge. Yeah, yeah, we actually had, um, two separate but parallel activities at PAX for, um, for Theros and the Hero's Path, kind of one to lead into the party, mm-hmm. and then another to show off more Theros preview cards and to give them away to attendees. So yeah, the, the activity you're talking about was happening every day at 1 p.m. Uh, we were in the lineup room, which is like the giant room they have at the beginning of PAX to like line everyone up, and then it's not used much of the rest of the time. So we, uh, we got a, a Good group of people going pretty much every day. We had about a hundred or more people. Yeah. And we ran a, uh, massive magic puzzle, not a game, but a puzzle where we had, you know, attend, attendees come up and participate by holding up massive magic cards and then right. they solved kind of a straightforward, like build a huge creature puzzle, which is kind of, kind of ties in the themes of Theros. Sure. Talk absolutely. About a little bit. Uh, and then when they, when they finished it, we showed them some preview cards and then, and then actually raffled off those, those cards as well. Yeah. It's awesome seeing a lot of photos of people online of like, hey, PAX was really good to me. I got this giant, <laughs> right. giant card, that sort of stuff. Uh, I came and helped out on the first day and then I got busy the other days. So yeah, yeah, no worries. We, we had, uh, quite a few, um, boisterous staff people right. helping us out, so. <laughs> yeah, I helped on the second day and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the audience that we got was really excited and participated, which was fun to watch. And then, uh, right, and then we also had these puzzle stations that were, um, 
three three stations around PAX that when you went through them, you got stamps that got you into our, our party on Saturday night, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a, a few minutes. Oh, yeah. And uh, we had three stations, one for heroes, one for monsters, and one for, one for gods, kind of playing into the themes of Theros again. And they were just kind of fun, like, group solve activities. And um, there were a lot of people lined up on Friday morning especially, but throughout the convention coming through and, and right. doing that. Yeah, the, the PAX party, our magic party, has become sort of known as an awesome must-attend event. So it's awesome yeah. to see on Friday and Saturday mornings the long lines of people who are like, okay, well, I have to do this right now. Right. <laughs> I don't want to miss this. Speaking of the party, it was awesome this year. Like we we unveiled so many awesome cards for Theros. We got to show off the new Elspeth. Mm-hmm. We got yep. to show off Nylea. Nylea, yeah, and uh, I just I love the party. It's always a great atmosphere. Yeah, and people seeing seeing so many people who share this common passion come together and just celebrate the new set is a really cool thing. Yeah, yeah, it was super fun, and I think the dancing started even sooner than it had in previous years uh, and lasted just as long. Which it's it's awesome that you know we're throwing a party based around magic, but it turns into like a dance party right. and something that you know anyone can enjoy, even if you know they're brand new to magic or hadn't heard of magic. Yeah, one of the things we we got to show at the party was the Theros trailer, the the new video, yeah. which is my favorite hands oh, down. That Every time I watch it, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah, um, yeah me too. Yeah, the so, Elspeth reveal that moment where the the you see her her feet and then the song, the music turns. Mm-hmm. And I just get goosebumps. I get excited every single time. I've seen yeah, it. yeah. So that was really cool. I was, you know, everyone got onto the floor to, to watch it, and then um, we showed it again later in the night, and both times just like roaring right. cheers, which was awesome. It's yeah. really great. The, the creative team um, in R and D, working with some of our video guys, just like hit it out of the park. It was amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. The moment where we get to show those trailers off and show the story in actual movement with narration mm-hmm. as opposed to the story we normally tell through cards, through those instants that are captured on the cards. Right, right, yeah. Uh, what else happened at PAX? Oh, that's okay. right. We had the creative panel. Tifa, you were yeah. on the panel Sunday. I was able to be on the panel, which was great. Uh, and the moderator was Jeremy Jarvis, and he right. did an awesome job of opening up the panel and yep. uh, getting everyone excited to be there. Uh, he you know, talked deep about the story of Theros, and we had Doug Beyer, Richard Witters, and Jenna Helen there who all talked about various parts of Theros and you know the gods, the monsters, and Elspeth. Uh, Jenna announced that she will be writing the Theros novel, uh, which will come out next spring. The e-book, yeah. Yeah, the, the e-book. So she's really excited about that, and it seemed like you know everyone there was interested and yeah. it was a lot of fun. We we packed out the Kraken Theater, which was awesomely on theme. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that was not our choice. That was something that the Penny Arcade folks assigned us to that theater, and we went, "Oh, how fortuitous!" Right, right, <laughs> and it was live streamed. It was Sorry. live streamed so thanks to our friends over at Twitch. Yeah. But we also have a recorded version now available on our YouTube channel and on Daily MTG. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. You can find it on our YouTube channel. If you missed the panel, and want to see it? We recorded its entirety including a great Q&A section with a lot of interesting questions and discussions. Yeah, uh, and I actually was able to talk about Hero's Path uh, and go over the first three steps. The Hero's Path? Why would we talk about the Hero's Path when we have Dave Guskin here on the podcast? <laughs> so you, you were able to talk about it at the panel, and which yeah. is a perfect transition to us bringing Dave into this conversation. You yeah, sure. discuss the first three steps of the Hero's Path coming up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tiva makes a great point that starting with the pre-release on September 21st, that's kind of quest one right. in the series. Um, choose your path. 
And uh, there's a couple of cool things that we're doing with the pre-release um, in support of the Heroes Path. The first is you get to choose your path, which means picking one of five pre-release packs. We're, we're bringing them back for the popular Return of Ravnica and Gate Crash kind of model where um, this time you're choosing a color, which corresponds to kind of what what type of hero you are. You know, are you an Avenger? Are you a Protector? Like, what's, what's your style of play? Right. Which corresponds to one of the magic colors. And then inside that box is a hero card, which um, you may have heard about. Uh, hero cards are special... Uh, magic-like cards. They're not magic cards themselves, but they, they give you special abilities. Then you start the game with them, and they are specifically for use in uh, the third quest and then later on in the Hero's Path right. uh, against the Challenge deck, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, so there's five different hero cards, and uh, each one is kind of themed. The ability is themed to that color. And then uh, you don't use them at the pre-release, but you, you keep it with you. And then additional to that, there's a uh, quiz activity to do that's just kind of a fun way to learn about the setting, about Theros, about the characters in Theros, kind of the stories of Theros. So we have a, kind of a, a different quiz for each of the five colors inside the box, which would be really fun and helps kind of lead you into the idea of being a hero in Theros. Yeah, absolutely. Every hero has to go through these trials and tribulations. That, that's something very Greek themed, but also just a great, you know, a great experience to tie all of these events that you may or may not attend together uh, into one overarching activity. Right, and I, I'm sure Tifa, you talked about this at the panel. Just kind of giving people the sense of being a hero is kind of the whole point of the hero's path, like trying to bring the mythology to the player. Yeah, and that's exactly where this whole thing came from. Uh, is that we we thought about you know what is classic Greek. Like, what themes can we capture and bring to the players? And one of them is the classic hero's journey that you see in many myths and many stories. You know, it's something that we're all familiar with, whether that takes form in movies or video games or books. Um, you know, you can find it in all different areas. Uh, and now we're bringing that to magic in a way that you actually participate in the store, which is really neat. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, it also follows Elspeth's path um, and her story. Right. So right. that's another way for the players to connect with, you know, the main character of the set. Right. And so the tie with Elspeth is actually in the third challenge, which is happening at game day. Mm-hmm. As you'll see in the Theros key art, you see Elspeth standing triumphant over this Hydra. And so at game day, players will have a chance to face the Hydra. Right. Uh, and this is a new gameplay experience we've never done before. That mm-hmm. R&D, Dave, and uh, I think Sam Stoddard. Yeah, Sam on, Stoddard so. and Ken Nagel uh, were the developer and designer, respectively, of that experience. Um, yeah, I can talk about it. We'll get back to Quest 2 in a second because I know it's, it's easy to skip over that one because sure. it's so exciting to talk about the challenge deck. Uh, but yeah, so Quest 3, you face the Hydra. That happens at game day. Um, game day is a standard tournament. It, it happens every time a new set comes out. So this experience is designed to be played against a standard deck. So you'll already have your standard deck with you if you come to the tournament. And uh, if you don't, you can always buy an event deck. That's true, yes. And uh, I've also had the question asked of me, like, do I have to have a standard deck? And the answer is no. Like, we, we optimized the play experience against a standard deck, and you should have one if you're at game day, but you can use another deck, too. It's not We're not trying to exclude people. Maybe a it's, heroes versus monsters dual deck. Ah, yes, you could be the heroes. Being the monsters would be a little weird, because then it's like... <laughs> Hydra might just want to be your friend at that point. Yeah, it's you know. hard to say. Uh, so the way the, the Hydra experience works, it's kind of like magic in that you, the player, are playing magic. Uh, so you take your turn as normal, and you have a starting life total, a starting hand, and all your spells work as normal. But the Hydra has kind of a special turn, which mimics the player's turn in some ways. It has kind of a beginning, a middle, and an end. But in the beginning, it's kind of untapping its heads, because it has heads instead of uh, creatures. It's right. kind of the heads are its creatures. Then it 
casts a spell, potentially a new head, grows a new head. Then it attacks you, which is, you know, damaging. Right. And as long as you can survive that, you can start killing heads. And as you, as you destroy these creatures, which are head creatures, uh, they have a chance to regenerate just the way that mythological hydras do. And eventually, hopefully, you can uh, amass a, enough uh, power on the board to take out the Hydra. Um, so that's kind of how that works. We'll, we'll have uh, an article about how exactly the Hydra deck rules work. Yeah, we'll definitely dive into it more on the website. One of the things that's really important for the players to understand, though, is, is that this is meant to be fun. Right, right. We, we want players to, if you sit down and go, I don't get it, or maybe if there's a question, just do it how you think would be fun. Right. I mean, we're definitely going to talk more about it as we get closer, but even though it's happening at a game day tournament, Let's not lose sight that this is a fun interaction. Right, and I should I should note uh, that it's separate from the game day tournament. So right. it's happening alongside, um, you know, in between rounds you can play or you can come early and play or stay late and play. Um, yeah. We're also hoping the stores will keep the challenge deck there and it will also be available for sale right. at many locations. If, if this type of interaction is something that you really enjoy and you want to do with your friends or you want to experiment with, then this will be a, a for saleable item. Right, yeah. right. And on top of that, this is – you can face the Hydra – on your own or with a group of friends. Right. I mean, I don't know what, how many it can go. Uh, it's it's pretty but. much designed to be played with up to four players together okay. against the Hydra. It's kind of it's balanced for one v one. It scales up um, as more players are added. Right. Past that point, it's a little difficult to kind of keep track of what's going on. And right. Players will kind of defeat the Hydra pretty easily after that point. Yeah, but. but it's definitely something that like if you were interested and purchased it, you could take it home and play with a group. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Right. And I should also note the, the Hydra kind of runs itself in a sense. Like it has a scripted set of actions, but right. it is fun to just be the Hydra and kind of taunt your, sure. your friends who want to be heroes and you're just crushing <laughs> them. So that's cool too. Uh, so let's step back as I jumped over the right, second right. step. Let's go back to the second step. Right. So, um, so if quest one is kind of learning that you are a hero and quest three is kind of facing your first epic challenge, then the middle part is being asked for help. Right. And that's where the gods kind of are, are saying, we need a hero, can you step up? And when you answer their call, then you receive a gift from them. That's quest two, gift from the gods. And this is very similar to Elspeth and Heliod's interaction in the story. Right, right. Yeah, Heliod, god of the sun, kind of um, needs help, and Elspeth, being a planeswalker, is one of the only people in Theros who can, who can help. You go to launch weekend, which is it starts with F and M mm-hmm. uh, on the twenty seventh, and at the store will be a special poster. It'll just be kind of a cool piece of Theros art that's been tweaked a little, it's been modified, and hidden in that modification is a message from the gods, and that is a puzzle. It's a puzzle that you can solve kind of by looking at it and kind of trying to see what's going on. It can be solved with a group or on your own, right. uh, similar to how the challenge deck works. And once you come up with the answer, which is a specific card in Theros, I'm not going to spoil it, uh, then you say what that card is. To the store owner, and then you can receive a second hero card right. after your first one from the pre-release. So these two hero cards, or at least two hero cards you'll have gotten from the pre-release and from launch weekend, mm-hmm. the first two steps, are ones that you actually will use against the Hydra. Right, right. So when you when you play against the Hydra in the challenge, uh, you come with your deck, but you also get to start with uh, up to two hero cards kind of in the command zone, start the game with them, and they give you buffs, which so, help. So if you're one of those players who you know wants to try every hero path and get all five pre-release cards and then the one from launch weekend. You can choose the two that you want to use the most out of those six. Right. You might want to build your deck around like cool combinations with hero cards or potentially you find two hero cards that seem really powerful. That's all, all in good fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to do these. I mean, I've, I play tested the Hydra some before uh, we released it and uh, I'm of course excited for the Theros pre-release. I can't wait to choose my path. We have Theros. Theros is coming out all around us. We've had over a week of previews. We're 
nearing the end, and we have our own exclusive preview card Ooh. for Theros. So let's talk about that, and then we'll talk about some of the other cards that we're excited about. Sure. So you want me to Yeah, Dave. Tell us, tell us about our card. Okay. So the card we are previewing is Heliod's Emissary, uh, which is an enchantment creature, dash elk. This is one of those uh, special creatures that are that are kind of uh, creatures created by the gods, creatures of Nyx. Uh, it is a 3-3 three, three for three and a white, so four mana total. And it has Bestow, which is a new mechanic with Theros. Uh, its Bestow cost is six and a white, so seven mana total. For those who don't know, uh, you can cast a enchantment creature with Bestow as if it were an aura spell, and then enchant a creature you control. And then when it's not attached, either if the creature is no longer there, when the Bestow card tries to resolve, or or when the creature is killed later, you, you receive the creature um, without bestow on the battlefield. Right. Uh, and then what this creature does is whenever Heliod's emissary or enchanted creature attacks, you tap encha- tap target creature and opponent controls. And then additionally, enchanted creature gets plus three, plus three. So as with, uh, I believe, all of the bestow cards in Theros, the creature itself has abilities. It's a three, three that when it attacks, it taps a creature. And then when it's enchanting a creature with bestow, or rather, when it is enchanting a creature because of its bestow ability, then it grants that creature the plus three plus three and the ability to tap a creature when it attacks. Right. I, I'm excited by bestow. It's definitely one of, on the more confusing side for players <laughs> who are just like reading it for the first time. But once you get a grasp of it, it's incredibly cool and it's really powerful. Like one of the downsides of Auras has always been the concern of getting two for one. You know, where you enchant your own creature and then if the creature gets killed. You, by your opponent using one spell, you then lose two spells. You use the creature and the aura. Right. And so that's one of the major downsides to discourage players from using auras is the concern for card advantage and how it's normally re- relies on this other creature remaining to exist. Right. Right. Now with bestow, you're paying more mana. I mean, it, they're they're not usually on the cheap side. But you're guaranteed to not get two for one. Right. It's definitely, uh, you know, I know design for Theros came at this from two directions. And working with creative wanted to have this sense of, like, the gods bestowing mortals with power. But on the other side, they wanted enchantments to be something you could really, you know, build a deck around play. And one of the important things there is to make sure that Auras didn't have this built-in drawback that makes it a lot riskier to try to bring your enchantment deck uh, to bear. And this way you can use the bestow cards to have, kind of have your cake and eat it too. Right. As excited as I am for Bestow, I'm even more excited for Devotion. Okay. Devotion's pretty awesome. Tell us about it. So Devotion is a mechanic that deals with the mana costs of all the cards in play. Right. Um, And I'll actually read Nylea, my favorite of the gods. So she's a 6-6 that costs 4, 3 colorless and a green. She's indestructible, and as long as your Devotion to green is less than 5, Nylea isn't a creature. And this means that in all of my permanents on the battlefield, uh, each green mana symbol equals my devotion to green. So if I have, you know, something that costs so if you two have green, then... Like a Skive Tusk from M14. <laughs> yes. yes. So if I have a Skive Tusk and then Nylea, which has name. one green mana, oh, that, yeah, means, that, test name. that means <laughs> my devotion to green is three. Um, and then if I add um, another card that has two green mana symbols, then my devotion is five. Nylea then becomes a creature. Um, and she also has other creatures you control have trample, and you can pay four, three, and a green. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Right. I love the flavor of this mechanic because it's so wonderful of, like, the idea of a, a god only once you've done enough to be, be you know, devoted to right. a god will it appear. You, you can still get benefits from having it, but it won't actually become this corporeal 
in-game body. Right, right. All of the gods are um, enchantments first, and then once once there's enough devotion for them, they become these creatures. Right. And then there are uh, creatures who are devoted to the gods, and they also have the devotion mechanic yeah. and scale up that way too. And I'm really excited for this because I actually love playing monocolored decks. Right. Um, I have my like pet deck that's green that you're, I update every set, and yep, it's always mono green. <laughs> and it's I'm going to get a huge boost from there. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really hoping that this that it means that when I draft, there will be more opportunity to play monocolored decks. Right. Um, or, you know, one color with just a little bit of a splash, which is a really nice change coming out of Turned Around a Block, uh, where it was almost... I almost played exclusively three-color decks. Right. I'm sort of looking forward to a, a shift, and then I'm really hoping that yeah. I can get some monocolored decks. It's definitely a, a strong shift. I mean, there's a lot of powerful monocolored cards in this set, but it's not a complete change. Like, there's still also some really cool and prevalent gold cards in Theros. Mm-hmm. There are, and and it's true that um, there is a lot of support for monocolor, but at the same time, your multicolored cards count to devotion as well, not as much mm-hmm. as a monocolored card, but there's still definitely ways to continue playing like a two- or three-color deck. We're just trying to give people options as right. Theros comes into the environment. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how standard changes, but I do think we'll still see three-color decks, and they might even have devotion in them. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I've got so many cards in this set that I'm excited for. I just I can't even stand it. I will note there is an absence of goblins in Theros, which I'm somewhat sad about. Yeah, but you have satyrs. Satyrs are kind of fun. But I have a Kiki Jiki Commander deck. Oh, I see. Which, yeah. which well, everything everything needs to say on theme. All goblins. No, it doesn't. Like I'm definitely going to take some of the more powerful red cards out of this and throw them in there. Perforos might make an appearance, mm-hmm, yeah. but it's definitely beneficial, and I feel better about it if it's a goblin. Sure, uh, that's understandable. There's three awesome Planeswalkers in the set we need to talk about. First, there's Elspeth, who we debuted at the PAX party. And she's six mana, and she's a bomb. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as the hero of the set, she should be. Her plus ability makes three soldiers, yeah. which is nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's. I, I think I saw someone compare her to Assemble the Legion yeah. because of the, <laughs> the ability to churn out tokens. Right, yeah, it's it's always impressive when a planeswalker can defend itself, right. and Elspeth does it so amazingly well that it's like impossible to really get through to stop her from ultimating. And once she ultimates, it's it's game over. Right, like. right. So what is her ultimate? Yeah, so her ultimate is you get an emblem with uh, creatures you control get plus two plus two and flying, which um, helps a lot when you have a ton of one one soldier tokens right. sitting around. So if you've if you've activated her first ability three times to get her to ultimate, right? Yeah, so she ultimates at uh, minus seven and she starts at four. So right. yeah, you so, would have nine soldiers who then become three three flyers and twenty seven flying. Yeah, pretty difficult to like pretty difficult to stop that. Yeah, and if while you're you know building her up this way, somebody gets some giant threat on the table, well then you can just use her minus three ability to destroy all creatures with power four or greater. Right. So Which, really, what are they going to do? Right, exactly. <laughs> and I love how thematic that ability is too. It's just like Elspeth slays monsters. Right. That's yeah. part of what she does, and she's going to get them all. If she had business cards, it would say monster slay. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and then after Elspeth, later in that week, we revealed Xenoghost on oh, Star yeah. City Games. Uh, Brian Kibler wrote an awesome article about it, talking about how, as a red-green planeswalker, he continues the tradition of being awesome. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, Xenoghost is uh, very powerful. I think, um, uh, yeah, so Xenoghost is a, a four-minute Planeswalker, generally an awesome cost for, for a Planeswalker to have. And uh, the plus ability is actually quite a large mana swing. Uh, you add X mana to your to your mana pool, and any combination of red and green where X is the number of creatures you control. So 
definitely support for kind of starting with a bunch of small creatures and then ramping up to something huge. Right. Zero uh, has put a 2-2 satyr, creature token, sorry, trick, no goblin here, uh, with haste onto the battlefield, which is which is both impressive because it helps defend him without losing loyalty, but also lets you go on the defensive very fast. Right. Now, Tifa, does this guy convince you to maybe splash red in your pet deck? I think so. This, and also the Hydra that was in Gate Crash that was... Oh, uh, Savage Born Hydra? Yeah. I think, I think that was in Dragon's Maze. So... With with him and that Hydra, I'm kind of thinking maybe a, a green Hydra deck. Yeah. So you feel a little step back off of the monocolored train and maybe <laughs> accept your your red green overlord. You might have to have a lot of different green decks. <laughs> yeah, this might be an additional deck. Oh, okay. that, that works too. And then uh, what's his ultimate? Oh, yeah. His ultimate is uh, minus six. Exile the top seven cards of your library. You may put any number of creature and or land cards from among them onto the battlefield. Nice. So uh, just a, a great way to kind of, after you've used your mana to spend all of your large spells in hand, it's time to just flop all the cards from your yeah. deck on the table and crush your opponents. Seems good. Yeah. And then lastly is the more mysterious and slightly terrifying Planeswalker, <laughs> Ashiok. Slightly terrifying? This guy's very terrifying. Dude, dude. Feeds on fear and terror. Like. Yeah, yeah. If you've seen um, the new uh, Thoughtseize, so the the art and flavor from Thoughtseize mm-hmm. show Ashiok kind of draining oh, oh, people's memories. That. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah so I, I honestly didn't catch that. Yeah, the flavor text is knowledge is such a burden. It's Release it. Life. Release all your fears to me. It's like, oh my god, that yeah. is terrifying. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So um, Ashiok is impressive as a three-mana Planeswalker, which we haven't done very many of. That's true. Um, they've generally been pretty powerful, and, and he's blue and black as well, one blue and a black to cast. And uh, the the plus ability is to exile the top three cards of target opponent's library. It's a plus two. So already, when you play play Ashiok on turn three, you get him up to five loyalties. He starts at three. Right. And you start milling your opponent, which is pretty powerful on its own. Yeah, in some ways, that's his way of protecting himself is to just expand out of reach. Right, exactly. So he can go to five on his first activation, and that, for most parts of the game, will be a safer turn. Right, right. And then, of course, continues to pump up his loyalty as you play creatures to defend him. Right. And then uh, the the minus is actually a minus X, which is kind of uncommon as well on Planeswalkers, which lets you take any of the exiled cards you have, pick a creature with cost X or less, and then put it on the battlefield as a nightmare. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which, well, I guess with a nightmare is the creature type, not the nightmare. The, right, right. The giant horse. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so... It, again, it's sort of a card advantage. You, mm-hmm. You're exiling cards, but they're accessible via Ashiok. Right, right. And it's it's possible on the first hit you'll find some, you know a four drop right. uh, because he's going to be at five loyalty, and then yep. you get a four drop to defend him and is still alive yep. to continue the havoc. And uh, I love the flavor there because he he sort of is like deal he deals with fear and terror in people's minds and so he reaches into your mind and goes that scares you <laughs> right. i'll take that and use that against you right right so it's, it's yeah really it's awesome. wonderful to add the the creature type nightmare to it so yeah. it's like kind of communicating that theme um and then the the ultimate is minus 10 exile all cards from all opponents hands and graveyards which is just uh, kind of an insane way to beat control decks, which, you know, three-mana Planeswalker is generally going to come down and be pretty difficult for a control deck to deal with, plus built-in win condition from milling, and then a built-in crush your control opponent by exiling all of their stuff. All three are pretty awesome, i got to say. I'm a big fan. We And we cover all five colors between the three Planeswalkers. Yeah, I think that's really neat. Yeah. Um, that, like, whatever color you play, there's a Planeswalker in the set that you'll probably be interested in. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for this set. I'm sure you all are too. 
I'm glad we're finally podcasting again also. Yeah. We took a, a bit of a break. Life got kind of crazy here with Theros and Pax and yeah. work in general. Uh, Gavin's out sick, but he'll be back next time we record, hopefully, and we will have Gabe, uh, Gabe? We will have <laughs> Dave in, uh, uh, again in the not too distant future, I'm sure, to talk more about the Heroes Path as we continue down this road. Yeah, yeah. No, it's super exciting. Uh, you can find this episode and more on the Daily MTG website, dailymtg.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am TrickMTG. Uh, I'm Dave Tron. And I'm Tifa Mayan. And you can follow our absent co-host, Gavin Verhey, on Twitter. We have a shout-out for a new member of the team, a silent member of the team, Garth, who is our audio engineer. So Ooh, he's Garth. Going to sound better. He's just shaking his head at me right now. <laughs> he's embarrassed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Don't worry. But thanks for listening. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another episode. Until then, enjoy Theros. We'll talk to you all later. 